One of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the other? By the time I finish this song. Hello and welcome back to the Nursing Crash Cart Podcast. My name is Cameron and this is episode number two. Hopefully you listened to the first episode and you're able to take away some bit of information to help your daily life in the emergency department. This episode's going to be a quick one for my rambling standards. I want to talk about the differences between the emergency department and other nursing specialties and why the emergency department kind of feels like home to me. So if you're on the fence about working in an emergency or you just want to have a better idea what to expect and what will be expected of you, uh, hopefully this episode will help out. A typical day in the emergency department is anything but typical. Uh, you know, Despite that fact, I'm probably going to end up saying typically a lot during this episode because EDs will vary from location to location throughout the country. You'll have you know small freestanding departments all the way to level one trauma hospitals, what we call the knife and gun clubs. Uh, and because how a patient presents at the front door may not be the real story once they are back in the department. Your range of acuity, it's on both extremes with the vast majority of your patients kind of somewhere in the middle. You have everything from you know your upper respiratory infection, cough and sore throat type patients to sprained ankles to lacerations to your abdominal pain and all the way up to strokes, heart attacks, and full-on cardiac arrest and trauma patients. Because of this, the emergency department is different in that it uses triage to quickly assign acuity levels for patients. Most EDs use the five-level ESI, or Emergency Severity Index, triage system. I'll include an image of the algorithm in the show notes if you want to take a peek at it, but basically it it ranks patients on acuity and the estimated number of resources that are going to be required to take care of that patient. ESI level 1 patients are those of the highest acuity, your most critical patients, ones that come in like cardiac arrest, uh, where ESI level 5 patients are the least critical or least urgent patients. Uh, while there is that algorithm to sort, there's also some uh, finesse and experience required to sort people appropriately. Typically, uh, triage nurses in the emergency department will be required to have some sort of experience under the belt. Either they've been an ER nurse before, or they've been in the department for a year or two uh, before they get trained to do triage. This way they kind of have a a vault of past scenarios to draw from when you're quickly assessing what's going on with a patient. Uh, most emergency departments tend to have a a dedicated area for the, the less urgent or lower acuity patients. Typically, uh, it's called a fast track or your urgent care area. Uh, they're going to see a, a higher volume of patients and will turn over patients much quicker than the main emergency department. Uh, this is going to be where the, the, the vast majority of your ESI level 4 and 5 patients, uh, where they're going to end up. It's typically, uh, typically going to be your... Like your non-febrile respiratory infection kind of patients, like your, your sore throat or coughs, and uh, your non-complicated abscesses, something that's not like perirectal or something crazy that might have um, you know, additional complications with it. 
uh, that may need to be drained or just sent home on some antibiotics, your your sprains, contusions, earaches, rashes, that kind of thing. Um, so you might be thinking of this kind of the area of the emergency department that it may not sound as hard or as exciting, but sometimes it's the absolute most difficult area to work in as you are constantly turning over patients and you have to have you know, focused assessments, interventions, and evaluations of those interventions, all documented while, while trying to keep up with the flow. Uh, and on top of that, triage nurses aren't perfect. Um, and it's not their fault. Sometimes the patient just doesn't give them the, the information uh, correctly. It wasn't teased out of them appropriately up front. And, and sometimes that story ends up changing once the physician comes in to see them. You'll, you'll find happens all the time where they'll tell one healthcare worker, X and then they'll tell the next health healthcare worker Y and then suddenly your workup is changing from oh this person has an upper respiratory infection to crap is this cardiac related we have to do a full workup um, so nurses in these these fast track environments um, it's not a typical urgent care in that they only treat those patients and they have to ship them out if they're if they're worse than that they have to be able to adapt to those patients so if something has a bigger workup, they're going to be taking care of a possibly higher acuity patient. Um, if your department's not one that can get that, that patient moved around in, in your ED to the main sides or whatever um, easily. Some departments uh, don't have a fast track and you're just expected to take care of kind of whatever gets dumped in your assignment, um, you know, regardless of the ESI level. The kind of main portion of an emergency department will be dedicated to those the kind of the middle of the road and higher acuity patients, typically your abdominal pain or chest pain type patients, they're going to require a bit more of a workup. Things like uh, CAT scans, blood work, EKGs to kind of help determine what's going on. Uh, now I say determine what's going on, but the the big thing about the emergency department that's different than like visiting your family care doctor or whatever is that it's it's not really the emergency department's job to diagnose. Um, and I will tell patients this frequently in the emergency department uh, on the main side um, that, that the big job is, is not to diagnose, but it's to rule things out. It's to look at those things um, that, you know, could kill you, what, what things you could die from, um, and then kind of work your way narrower from there if you can. Uh, so when, when someone comes in saying like they have chest pain, you automatically start with that worst case scenario. You're assuming it's a heart attack from the start and your line of questioning and your interventions are based around either treating that or trying to rule that out. Uh, it, it can be absolutely frustrating for a patient. Um, abdominal pain is, is the big one. Um, especially, it's one of those things where you know they come in saying they have pain in the right lower quadrant. When you're assessing them, they have rebound tenderness. So everyone is assuming, uh, you know, appendix, and you get them over to CAT scan or ultrasound, and the CT or the ultrasound results come back saying that's a normal appendix. And then you're sending this patient home, and you know they're going to be like, "Well, what's going on?" And the first thing out of your mouth is going to be, "Well, I can tell you what's not going on," and that can be frustrating for them. So I, I try to kind of do that caveat up front with the patients and kind of tell them, you know, here's what to expect while you're here. We don't diagnose everything. We rule out that bad stuff. And that's what our focus is going to be while you're in the department. Uh, this way, uh, when you're trying to discharge them, uh, sometimes those patients where things 
are, are not really going wrong, where everything comes back normal. Um, sometimes the physicians will leave that up to you as the nurse to educate on discharge, um, what their results were, what's going on, that nothing is happening now, what kind of follow-up we have planned for them. Um, so when you do come into that, you know, to that patient, they're going to say, okay, so what they diagnose me with? And, and that's where having told them up front uh, what to expect can kind of soften that blow when you can say, well, we don't really know what's going on, but we can tell you, you're, you know, your appendix is not ruptured and you don't need to be whisked away to surgery. Uh, some people, while, you know, while, while it's a, a, you know, a positive thing to hear that, they still feel, well, I have this pain. What's causing my pain? Why can't you tell me? Uh, and that, that's not really, unfortunately, the job of the emergency department. So, so being open and honest with those patients up front, it's, it's definitely the way to go. So like I said, the vast majority of these patients on the main side, uh, you know, they're going to re- require IVs, imaging, blood work. Uh, and the big thing with all of that stuff is it's a waiting game. Uh, you get that blood work sent off, and then you're waiting for results. They go get the CAT scan, you're waiting for the read from the radiologist. You know, you get the, the ultrasound, you're waiting on a read. You get Everything is just waiting. Uh, so it's also frustrating if they're not hearing from healthcare staff what's going on. Hourly rounding is one of those things that's big all over the place, especially as we're moving more towards a customer service driven uh, healthcare environment, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, it's one of those things where patients are getting, you know, asked afterwards were you well informed? of the plan and what was going on all throughout your stay in the emergency department. And and them answering negatively on those do affect uh, how much, you know, the physicians in the hospital and and then conversely you yourself as the nurse are going to get paid um, because if, if we're not getting reimbursement back well on some of these patients, then the department's making less, which means less hours, less staff, etc., etc. So, while hourly real, uh, rounding is one of those things that's it's kind of supposed to be a requirement, uh, there's definitely going to be times where you know you think it's been an hour, and then you look and holy crap, it's almost been three hours because you've been triaging medics or getting IV started on a septic patient. You've been helping a patient get moved from uh, you know your ED bed to the CAT scan table, you know, helping hold C-spine on a, on a patient that was a, a motor vehicle accident. You know, who lost consciousness, uh, or you're helping the you know, physicians put in a central line or intubating somebody. So you know, it's it's one of those things where hourly rounding is great uh, in a perfect world, but it's not always going to happen. But the end result is you want to try to stay on top of what's going on with your patients. So when you can round on them, you kind of let them know what's going on with their care. You know, hey, Mrs. Jones, it looks like you're your blood works back now and Dr. Smith's going to go over that with you. Right now we're just waiting on the results from your ultrasound. So once the radiologist looks over that, uh, you know, the doctor can begin to talk to you about all your results and hopefully we can figure out where to go from there. Is there anything I can do for you while I'm here in the room? Uh, you know, this way it kind of, uh, lets that patient know that, Hey, people in the department still know that you as a patient are there uh, that way they're not just being totally ignored. It lets them know what the plan is, what what we're waiting on, what delays we're expecting, and uh, you know where we're kind of going from here, what, what potential um, outcomes might happen in terms of, you know, hey, we're concerned about this, 
hey, we don't want you to be eating or drinking right now because this might be surgical or, you know, we, we're planning on getting you home. We just want to make sure everything looks okay on this CAT scan. Um, otherwise, we may have you follow up with a neurologist or something. That way you can you kind of let them know what what to expect for the rest of their stay. Uh, and then that, that asking if there's anything else you can do for them, it kind of goes back to that whole patient satisfaction bit. You know, that way you can, uh, you know, kind of kind of help them um, fill any needs that may not, be, uh, may not be addressed while they're just waiting there in their room. So you have that main ED, the fast track, and then lastly there will there'll likely be like a trauma or resuscitation area where your most critical patients, assuming they came in that way, will likely be treated. This is where your, your cardiac arrests, high-speed motor vehicle crashes, uh, severe crush or high fall injuries, your, your level one kind of traumas or your, um, your more critical, critical patients, things like respiratory distress patients that will likely require intubation, you know, whatever your hospital guidelines have set out uh, that, that you're going to throw in those rooms. Typically, it's going to be your ESI level one and two kind of patients. These patients are almost always team patients, meaning that you're going to have multiple staff members. They're going to help out to stabilize or get the patients uh, compensated before you get them up to the ICU or transferred to an appropriate facility. Typically, these patients will have a, a dedicated nurse just for charting, especially in like code situations. This nurse is also going to be the one who's going to call out the next steps and when they're available in the algorithms. There is no hospital code team or rapid response team for an emergency department. You are the code team. You are the rapid response team. Uh, that's why certifications uh, in things like ACLS or PALS are requirements for ED nurses. Any one staff member uh, has to be kind of expected to be able to run a code if need be and follow those algorithms laid out by the American Heart Association. You know, the good thing is that everybody around you has also done these courses and they know what to expect too. So codes in the emergency department uh, likely look different than those uh, on a typical floor. If a patient comes in in cardiac arrest, you know, there's going to be an initial few minutes of buzz and activity as you know, lines get established, blood work's drawn, uh, monitors are connected, the team gets into place. After that, you may find it's, it's eerily quiet. Uh, you know, everyone has been in dozens or hundreds of codes. Everyone just kind of falls into the pattern of the algorithm and just does what's expected. And it's just a matter of what interventions are available to reverse potential causes of the cardiac arrest. To onlookers, codes in the emergency department can sometimes almost seem nonchalant. It's not always the, the crazy drama you see in medical shows. Uh, the person charting, uh, therefore, kind of becomes almost like a, a secondary orchestra conductor. Someone who's going to nudge the person with the baton that, hey, it's time for a new intervention. You know, we, it's been three minutes since the last time we pushed epinephrine. Would you like to do another dose? Hey, it's been two minutes since the last rhythm check. Do you want to check for a current rhythm and get our, uh, you know, our... Um, CPR teams swapped out so whoever's doing chest compressions can get a bit of a breather. You'll also have a, a second RN in the room who's going to be responsible for things like pushing medications. Uh, you know, Depending on the ED, there will probably be medics or techs as well. 
Um, with the medics, you know, that may be their goal in terms of uh, their job is starting your IVs, getting your blood work drawn, while the techs are going to be doing things like getting the monitors connected, getting vitals cycled, and uh, you know, being the one performing chest compressions. It's difficult to to be thumping on someone's chest that way and still be expected to push a medication. So typically the RNs uh, will be doing like the charting and the, the medications while um, other staff like your techs and medics will be more in charge of things like the, the chest compressions. Physicians are, are typically the ones running the code. Uh, that does not mean that as the RN you cannot run a code. Uh, it, depending on how busy your emergency department is and how you know, thin your staff may be spread at any given time, you may be the one running the algorithm, which is one of the other reasons why it's nice having everybody on the same page and kind of knowing what to do and what to expect in those situations. Um, so, the, the physicians running the code, they'll also be the ones, uh, you know, making decisions on what medications outside of the algorithm to give. Uh, you know, they'll be the ones to decide when the efforts have gone on long enough and it's time to, you know, call time of death on a patient. Uh, they'll also be performing uh, advanced assessments with things like ultrasound to look for cardiac movement during pulse checks or placing central lines for rapid infusion of fluids or blood products. Uh, and you may have uh, ancillary team members that are also very important, like pharmacists, uh, respiratory technicians, radiology technicians, and those may, may all be on hand based on your department as well. Once uh, stabilized, these patients will typically be one-on-one -on -one patients by a single nurse, typically the one who was doing the charting, until they've been admitted or they've been transferred to a, a place that can provide more specialized care for them. So as you can see, the, the emergency department is it's like a microcosm of healthcare. You have everything from acting like the primary care to to people who don't have insurance or they can't get an appointment to see their family doctor, all the way to the ICU where you're taking care of complete critical patients. Uh, you know, the ED might be a specialty, but ED nurses have to be the absolute uh, broadest in terms of their range of knowledge and skill set when compared to other specialties. We get to be the cardiac nurses, the labor and delivery nurses, the ICU nurses, surgical nurses. We get to take care of, you know, renal patients, GI patients, septic patients, respiratory patients, cardiac patients, neuro patients, and then everything from geriatrics all the way to newborns. There's a, a fabulous Robert Heinlein quote from, from uh, it's Time Enough for Love, that says, a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. I cannot hear that quote and not relate it to the emergency department. Will we have all the specialized knowledge of each of these disciplines? No, abs absolutely not. But we do have to be ready for whatever comes in that door. And that is why I absolutely love the ED. So hopefully this episode gave you some insight into what it's like to be an emergency department nurse. 
what the not-so-typical day can entail, and maybe it's even persuaded you to join us elbows deep in blood, sweat, and tears. I want to give special thanks to the musical artist Pretty Lights for the background music you heard today. You can check out more music at prettylightsmusic.com. And as always, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at edcrashcart at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at edcrashcart. Follow us on iTunes, though I'm still working with getting Apple's uh, uh, support team on board as to why iTunes is not accepting my podcast feed right now. Uh, And you can also visit me on the web at edcrashcart.com. You can check out the show notes for today's episode there, as well as click on the link that says podcast at the top right of the page to see how you can subscribe to the show, even through iTunes, uh, with a link that's provided. Until iTunes plays nice, nice with my feed uh, to get it showing up there in a search. So this is Cameron reminding you that specialization is for insects and happy nursing. Happy nursing.